This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Cruise Control is brought to you by Shell Fuel Save 95. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Cruise Control this week. It is the car show here on BFM. And as usual, I'm joined by my two very good friends, which I'm sure Daniel will mock again. Uh, of course, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Hello, Daniel. Say hello. I'm so happy to be a good friend. Ah, see? Already. Off to a good start. And of course, Ali Johan. How are you, Ali? Very well. Good evening, Richard. Good evening, my two friends in the automotive Hello, good world. Good evening and welcome, as they say. <laughs> right, yes. As usual, a show in uh, two parts this week. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. A little bit of a change, a little bit of a tweak this week, but we'll get to why in a little while. So many car launches and it is a Toyota Fest today, is it not? It's more than a Toyota Fest. I think Toyota is paid for the show. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Ali, what have we got? Okay, so we've got plenty of launches and uh, as Daniel mentioned, uh, plenty of Toyotas on the bill tonight. This week, Toyota Gazoo Racing just announced a new fleet of cars and pickups and SUVs to their line. Just a quick um, introduction about the company, Toyota Gazoo Racing. They are a motorsport and performance brand for Toyota. Different companies, UMW Toyota Motors in Malaysia and Gazoo Racing Malaysia, they have now together launched five new Gazoo Racing models comprising three GR and two GR Sport variants. Uh, what are they? Number one, um, they are an all-new GR Supra, which we have seen before in the past a couple of years. A GR Corolla, which is a sporty hatchback. Another sports car, a GR86. A pickup truck, Hilux GR Sport, as well as an SUV, the Corolla Cross GR Sport. So there's plenty to be excited about. If you're a fan of the performance badges and the specs that come with Gazoo Racing, especially if you're a fan of Gazoo Racing line specifically, Mm. Um, now let's go through the five uh, new additions to the GR line. Uh, number one, we have the GR Supra. You know, the Supra sports car, two-door, it looks fast and mean, uh, but they've been available in the local market since 2020. But at the time of its release, the reception was a bit mild. So this year, Toyota Gazoo Racing have updated the Supra with a six-speed manual transmission option for the first time. The same engine is still there, three-liter twin-scroll turbocharged engine, producing 388 PS and uh, 500 newton meters of torque. This is a very welcome product from Toyota, especially UMW Toyota, who for many years have been a very conservative company in terms of launching exciting models. But when they woke up, I would say they woke up uh, a few years ago and brought in the first Supra. Of course, it was an automatic and, you know, I don't blame them for bringing in the automatic. First of all, to bring in the Supra was a fantastic idea. But to bring in automatic, it made just a lot of common sense because a lot of people, including the media, will walk into uh, showrooms and uh, launches and say, oh, why haven't you got the manual version? Oh, why don't you bring in the manual version? But nobody will buy it. People talk, but they don't do the walk. And the thing is, a lot of these people will say, oh, you know, the manual is the most exciting Yes, it is. That's a real driver's car. But then after the event or after the showroom visit, they get into their automatic cars and they doodle along home thinking that, you know, yes, I've done my justice to the world. So UMW Toyota said, okay, I'll bring in a manual. Let's see how many of you will pay the price and do the walk, you know? 
So this is a full manual, 4.4 seconds, 0 to 100 acceleration time, which is a bit slower than the automatic version because you must understand, in the good old days, automatic gearboxes were a little bit slow to response. Now you've got fast-thinking automatic gearboxes, 8 speeds or more. So, uh, yeah, might as well just buy the automatic, which will do 4.1 seconds. Now, if you're a real hardcore driver, there will be a few out there. They'll say, okay, listen, I think I won the manual. I want to show people that I'm a real driver, me included. And they will pay the 649000 price tag. Right. And the auto version is about 10,000 ringgit more expensive. Um, yes. What else is great about the manual? The manual is 22 kilograms lighter than the automatic version, Richard. Uh-huh. A bunch of my friends were at the launch as well, as well as my good friend Daniel, of course. Mm-hmm. Um and I think of all the cars in that lineup, this was the one that, that stuck out the most for me. Mm. It is a very good looking car. It is it's a, a very, very, very seductive looking, looking, car. looking car. You know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's one down out of the five new GR uh, <laughs> GR line. We got four more. Next one we have is the GR Corolla. This is a sporty hatchback, which is a, a first Corolla model made with Gazoo Racing. The engine is 1.6-litre, three-cylinder turbocharged engine, which is the same you can find on the Gazoo Racing Yaris. It's got 300 PS and um, 370 Nm meters of torque. Right now, it's only available with an intelligent six-speed manual transmission uh, and the GR4 all-wheel drive system as well, uh, which offers three drive models, three uh, all-wheel drive modes. You can customise the way you want to drive in this sporty hatchback. You see, Toyota has done something, again, magical. I'm talking about, you know, for the global market. They've taken a family hatchback that is super reliable and made it into a monster. I'll use the word monster because this car carries the 1.6 three-cylinder turbocharged engine, which we first saw in the GR Yaris, which is another plain old Jane hatchback, you know? Mm. But in the GR Yaris, it was a three-door hatchback. It was a small little three-door hatchback, a super hot hatch. At that time, when UMW Toyota launched it, which was about, I think, two years ago, it was in January 2021, exactly two years ago, actually, it was 286,000 ringgit. Wow. Now, it had amazing performance, of course, because it's fully important and it's done by GR, you know, you're not going to get a low price. Now, there were only 25,000 units produced in Japan for Mm. the whole global market. Malaysia got only a handful. They were sold out even before they were launched. So now comes the GR Corolla, four-door, very aggressive looking, wide arches, the same engine, the same kind of performance, 300 PS, 370 Newton meters of torque. A lot of technology has gone into this car. I would say the technology in this kind of vehicles, this GR special vehicles, is almost equivalent of what happens at AMG and BMW M, you know? I mean, these cars are literally built to very, very high specification. Now, the asking price of this car is going to blow some people away. 355,000 ringgit. That's almost 70,000 ringgit more expensive than the Yaris. Just to get two more doors, right? But remember this. You're getting yourself a Corolla. It's slightly bigger. I personally think it looks slightly better. Mm. But in terms of performance, it's the same. So, again, even before the launch... This car has been sold out in Malaysia. It's got some snarl to it, I'll tell you that. Yep. Yeah. Now, the only sad thing is, and I say sad is because the stock Yaris, that means the plain old Yaris and the plain old Corolla hatchback is not sold in Malaysia. 
you either get the fully spec'd out version or you, you miss out. Yes. Now, the thing is, if they were to bring in these two cars, the problem is because they're not local assembled in ASEAN, they're not ASEAN vehicles. So if you bring it in, it'll, it'll, it'll already be a little bit pricey. Maybe for the Yaris, 120, 130, 140, for such a small basic car, the Corolla probably 150, 160. I'm guessing this because it's going to be fully imported as a basic vehicle. But can you imagine how many people will say, I'll buy the basic car, I'll take it to some tuning house, and put the white arches and the wheels <laughs> and make it look like a GR Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only those that know will know. Exactly. So anyway, this car comes with four-wheel drive, six-speed manual transmission. I mean, it is a real hoot to drive. I've not driven it, but I know based on the Yaris test drive I had, it's a hoot to drive. And even though it's a three-cylinder turbocharged engine, it sounds like a high-revving Yamaha superbike, you know? Mm. Awesome. You know, it's one of those engines that's really high pitch, really throaty in its in its uh, sound delivery, and that alone is something that you should try out. Interesting. Okay, moving on. Uh, another GR car is Toyota's best-selling pickup truck, which is the Toyota Hilux, and they also get a GR build this year. The Toyota Hilux GR Sport uh, has the same 2.8-liter engine, producing. 204 PS with 500 newton meters of torque. They've kitted it with a nice styling in the interior and exterior as well. Also fitted it with pedal shifters for a sportier drive. Uh, for those who want maximum response and control when you're going off roads or into the do zones and whatnot, this is the first time that the Hilux features a pedal shifter. Daniel, you know when I saw the specs on this on this truck, I was a little bit surprised and a little bit disappointed because why? This is more of a dress up. Mm. You know, that means what you see in the in the Yaris, Corolla GR, the Supra GR, that's all a lot of tuning, a lot of engine work, a lot of suspension work and everything else. With the Hilux GR Sport, the, the, the fact that they use the word sport means that it's just been dressed up. Okay, yes, you got the pedal shifters, but engine stays the same, uh, power delivery stays the same. Uh, of course, you got different rims. You got some little accessories on the exterior. This is like what UMW Toyota were doing a, about a decade ago when they had a partnership with TRD, Toyota Racing Development, where they brought in only dressed-up vehicles, not fully tuned-up vehicles. Right now, I may say I'm a little bit disappointed because they have they have not tuned up the engine and everything else. And the reason why I'm saying this is because on the other side you've got Ford, who's playing around with the Raptor, right? and getting phenomenal sales success, I would have thought Toyota would have said, listen, let's bring something to compete with the Raptor. But instead, they've just brought in a, a Hilux, which is already a best-selling vehicle for the last 52 years. Can you imagine? The Hilux has been around for 52 years. Wow. It's a best-selling vehicle, but they've not done anything to give it that real power delivery. And I think this, the reason is because of this. And I'm going to say this. Maybe the people at Toyota might not be too happy, but the fact is, even before they launched this GR Sport, Hilux. The Hilux has been on almost one year waiting list. Wow. Hard to get. Yeah. It's already so popular. So if I walked into a showroom now to buy the Hilux GR Sport, how long will I need to wait? That is the question. Mm. Now the price is at 159880. 159.880 is just a few thousand more than the, the regular top range Hilux, which is the Rogue. Mm. It's about maybe 13,000 ringgit more. But I know a lot of people who are not willing to wait might want to buy this, this 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 GR Sport, but is it available? I checked with a couple of showrooms. They told me, sorry, our allocation is gone. But there are a lot of Toyota showrooms nationwide. 
you need to go and find out if they have the allocation or not. Wow. That is interesting. Yeah. And if people were wanting to buy one of these, where would the chances of getting one be, do you think? One thing for sure, don't go and try and bentong pahang because, you know, all the durian farmers <laughs> have bought one already. Uh-huh. You know, they got money. I think you got to go into the smaller towns, like, you know, maybe Taiping, mm. maybe Kuala Palace. But mm. in the city, I think it's all gone. All right, moving on. Next car. Now, the GR line, of course, they're trying to capture, you know, everything from uh, pickup to uh, sporty hatchback, sports cars. They also want to complete it with an SUV. So Toyota also manufactured the Corolla Cross GR Sport. You know, Corolla Cross is a kind of like a new car launched in Malaysia in 2022. And the standard edition of the Cross is just about 136,000 ringgit. This one is going to be 142,000 with the same engine, right? Um, 139 PS uh, with 172 newton meters of torque. And it's still the same 7-speed CVT gearbox. Daniel, what's what's different here and what's great about this uh, Cross GR Sport? What's different is basically, again, like the Hilux, they've just done physical features. Mm. So they've not tuned the engine and they've not played around with the ECU or the gearbox or everything else. It's just rims. They've darkened some areas. They've removed some chrome bits. I love it. I love the way this vehicle looks. I think a lot of people will agree with me. When I showed it on my website, DSF, there was a lot of remarks about how good it looks because I think a lot of Malaysians are beginning to walk away from a lot of chrome. Mm-hmm. So taking away the chrome was a good good idea. Of course, the basic Corolla is already selling very well. Like the Hilux, there's a long waiting list. The GR version of the Corolla Cross is not the hybrid, it's the basic model. So the price increase is only a small five to 6,000 ringgit. So with that small increase in price, I can see even people who are waiting for their basic Corolla Cross saying, hey, can I opt to buy this? You know, can I just pay the extra? But mm. again, do they have enough units? Will mm. there be a long waiting list? These are all the questions I'm waiting for Toyota marketing to respond to me. Because right now at 136000 for the basic Corolla Cross, I would pay the extra $6,000 and get this model. With a waiting right. time of like up to nine months? Yep. That's insane. Okay, uh, last car, GR86. Uh, and this is a sports car that's first unveiled back in April 2021, uh, pandemic year, of course, uh, and got very positive feedback from enthusiasts because it looks kind of like the GR Supra with the option of a manual gearbox because the one in 2021 came also with an uh, automatic transmission. The GR86 is equipped with a new 2.4-litre engine producing 237 PS with 250 newton meters of torque. Guys, if you ask me, this is my pick from the GR line. Why? Because it has a nicer back compared to the Supra. <laughs> I don't like the lights. Nicer li- back? I mean, the, the lights on the Supra look kind of robotic to me, and this one looks like a real sports car, like a classic okay. 80s okay. kind of... Nicer yeah. back. Yeah, don't you think? I mean, it's a very handsome-looking sports car, but I'm not going to... Pick it just because it's got a nicer back. I'm going to pick it because it's got a great boxer engine. That's right. <laughs> and a six-speed manual gearbox. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you this. This car, like the Supra, it's a partner project. Okay. Now, the Supra, like I told you, it's a partner project with BMW. The Toyota 86, the original car was the 86. From the first 86 model right up to this model, the partnership is with Subaru. And that is why you see a boxer engine instead of a standard Toyota engine. Ah. Because the boxer engines are from Subaru. With this GR86 version coming in as a manual, think about it, okay? 
First of all, it's got the performance almost, almost as fast and almost as good handling as the Supra. But look at the price, 296000 Now, if you ask me, I would rather buy this car and with the spare change, buy myself a GR Corolla Cross and a GR Hilux to do, you know, other things. And then I'll have this as my sports car rather than just get one Supra, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've seen a few of these on the road as well. The older ones. Rather. Yeah, the older not, ones not is plenty on the road. Grain Potters brought in plenty. Today, second-hand market will, will sell you one for between 110 to 150,000 ringgit. Whether it's Subaru or Toyota, it's basically the same vehicle. But with this one at 296,000, yes, the price has gone up by about 50,000, 60,000. But it's got a bigger boxer engine. It's got more features. It's a more muscular car. And if you look at the features inside, it's also better built, you know? So it's a higher quality Toyota. So when you get something like this, when you when you look at the, the, the cabin and I mean, okay, looking at the pictures is one thing. If you go into the showroom or you happen to get into the car and touch and feel points, you'll suddenly start thinking, has Toyota moved the game up so close, so close to BMW at a fraction of the price? Mm. Mm. Because the BMW equivalent is the Z4, but the basic Z4, right? Mm. And that is still a, you know, Hundred hundred over thousand ringgit more expensive, but here you get boxer engine, which is Subaru technology. You know it's going to be quick. You know it's going to be efficient, and you know it's going to be super reliable for years to come. Nice. Not just because it's got a better back, and it's got a better back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trust me on so this, like guys. Ali, this is my pick, but not for the better back. It's for the engine and handling, and the fact that it's a manual. Okay, so five new Gazoo Racing models that's out by uh, UMW Toyota this week. One question to you, Daniel. These cars have a considerably higher price compared to their standard models, right? The Hilux, the, the, the Supra, the Corolla Cross, even the Corolla Hatchback, which you don't have here. What is the appeal of the Gazoo Racing badge on a car that to go out and get that instead of the standard editions? Okay, Toyota took some time to, UMW Toyota especially, but also Toyota Global took some time to, to make Gazoo Racing as desirable as BMW M. Okay, now if you go into a BMW showroom today, you see a lot of BMW models. You have proper M cars. When I say proper M cars, these are M motorsports cars. Then you have cars that are just M, BMW M. BMW M is basically cars that have been dressed up. You know, uh, side sails, steering wheel, instrument cluster, you have small M, you have some buttons with the M, and then you've got the wheels, body kit, maybe a change in grill, uh, maybe even as much as even an exhaust system. But you don't have anything M inside the engine bay or underneath the car in terms of suspension and, and running gear. So you pay a little bit more, you get this, this inspired motorsports uh, uh, features, but mm. the car doesn't go any faster. So with Gazoo Racing, my take is Toyota said, okay, listen, let's let's see how these guys have done it and we will do the same thing. We'll start the branding with motorsports, with racing, with, you know, like like the, the Vios Challenge and everything else where all the cars are done up by Gazoo and then get the brand so popular, get the brand on the tip of every car enthusiast's mouth. Everybody's talking about hey, Gazoo Racing, GR, Gazoo Racing, GR. And now that has happened. So when it happens, I can bring in all these models. Pretty soon, I can even bring in another three, another four. I can even have a Camry Gazoo Racing. There is now a premium that people are willing to pay to have the GR badge 
and features on their vehicle. Looking right. forward to that. Right. So enough about Toyota, guys. I think we've done. We've done enough. Have we done? Have we done? Are they <laughs> yes, sponsoring yes. the show yet? They should be. <laughs> Not yet. On to uh, two more car launches. No, three more uh, car launches this week. We're gonna go to another car company, Isuzu. They have upgraded the D Max model, the pickup truck. Isuzu D Max has a new. 2023 model are going to come with new body colors, got some exterior design changes on all of their five different variants. Um, and one thing that's a standard in these cars is the radiator grill um, at the front. Mm. And as we know, you know, D-Max comes with both uh, the single passenger cabin space for, uh, you know, the farmers and as well as more passengers in the double cabin space car. First of all, Isuzu D-Max selling very well. I was told that, you know, The D-Max is actually produced in one big factory in Thailand, okay? And from that factory, it's exported to 100 countries around the world. 100 countries. Now, out of those 100 countries it's exported to, the fifth largest market for the new D-Max X-Terrain is Malaysia. So, Malaysians are living the D-Max. The only problem is it could sell more if they could get more stock. But because the demand globally is so strong, there's only limited stocks coming to Malaysia. So for this 2023, they've come up with a refreshed X-Terrain. It's basically the same powertrain, but what they've done is they've just improved on the airflow of the grille. So they made the grille a little bit different. They've introduced some new colors for the high-range X-Terrain. They've put in a new set of wheels. They've done a different color coordination on the interior with the leather and the, and the, and the cabin trim. But most importantly, they've added an onboard dash cam front and rear. This extra feature, they say it's 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 added, you know, safety. Now you don't have to go and buy an aftermarket uh, dash cam and fit it in and then try and plug it in. This time it's all already incorporated into the, the top of the windscreen right down to your power supply. Now the prices have moved up between two to four thousand ringgit only. So from the base Uh, D-Max, which is $94,900. That's a farmer's special, the Kaboon special, right up to the X-Terrain, which is $150,000 right now. The price has only moved up from the previous price to to $4,000. Nice, nice, nice. All right, now we're going to more premium cars now uh, because this week as well, NASA Italia unveiled its new Maserati Levante GT Hybrid for this year. And the Levante GT Hybrid has... Four-cylinder, 330 horsepower, mild hybrid engine in an all-wheel drive setting. That's crazy. But that is not the crazy. It's a Maserati. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is the second Maserati to come with a hybrid for Malaysia. The Ghibli was launched uh, last year with mm. a hybrid. Problem is, it didn't get any you know special tax concession, so the price was high. Uh, didn't sell very well simply because of the price. Because at that price, people were going for electric cars. Now comes the Levante GT Hybrid. Same format, same kind of engine, same kind of power delivery and everything else. But this time in a 4x4 SUV, it's got a acceleration time of 6 seconds. Not very impressive. But remember, this is a SUV. It's big, it's heavy. It's a full of a leather and a nice mm. cabin interior. And you've got that you know GT trim on the inside, which is very, very Maserati. Very high quality, very, um, I would say, flamboyant, you know, when mm. it comes to Maserati. Beautiful car. Beautiful interior, lot of safety features. When you look at Maserati Levante, you you, you tend to think, uh, what else can they do to it? You know what? What else can you improve on it? There's very little. The only problem now is the tax concessions only going towards uh, electric cars. 
hybrids and mild hybrids don't get a lot of incentive. So the prices mm. are just not favoring the purchase of these vehicles because, mm-hmm. you know, with that price, you might as well just go buy a full electric, which is mm. tax-free. Mm. So it's not going to be a great year for this car. 738,000 ringgit again. Are you it, kidding me? Yeah, because, you know, it, it's a fully imported uh, Maserati. Now, it's probably one of the, the, the best priced Maseratis you can buy in Malaysia if you talk about all, all the product lineup. But still, not many people are going to jump on this bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And for that price, you it know? comes with a three-year unlimited mileage standard warranty as well, as they yes. do with all of their cars. Now, remember that 738k because the next car we're going to talk about is why I'm just explaining, you know, the, the reduced sales success of this vehicle. Yes, the next car we have here, just launched and now available in Malaysia, is Mercedes-Benz EQS 500 Formatic. Uh, it's a fully CKD version, locally assembled at the production plant in Pekan Pahang, and the EQS 500 will serve as the new electric flagship model for Mercedes. We have test driven this car, the the CBU version. We were, I would say, blown away, lah. You know. It's, it's To me, it's an S-Class that is fully electrified. But Mercedes says, no, the S-Class remains S-Class. This is the top version of their electric lineup. Now, the 500 4Matic means it's four-wheel drive. It's fully electric. Now mm. that it's local assembled, the price has been reduced by 50,000 ringgit to 648,000 ringgit. Now, coming back to the Maserati, 738. This is 648. Now, do you see where I'm going with, with you know, the purchase proposition? If, I, I don't, I kind of, you know, I, I, 640,000, 700, they all sound like the same kind of ballpark to me. Unreachable. Yeah, but, yeah. unreachable <laughs> for people like Ali and me, you know. But, yeah. you know, so. <laughs> but yes, I, I see where you're coming from, yeah. Yeah, so that 80 over 1,000 ringgit difference. Okay, yes, the Maserati is slightly taller, it's slightly bigger. But again, some people say, I might as well just go for a full electric vehicle. Why do I want to, you know, work with a mild hybrid, you know? Mm, mm. And, you know, the Mercedes is newer, it's a later shape, it's more commanding on the road. I mean, you drive an EQS on the road, people will look at you, whether they look at you with anger because they can't afford one, or they look at you with jealousy because they can't afford one, or they look at you with admiration and say, well, you've done well, you've got yourself a Mercedes EQS. So, and then on top of that, let me tell you the performance of this car. 828 newton meters of torque. The 0 to 100 is 4.8 seconds. It's faster than the Maserati. You know, and when you say Maserati and it's slower than a Mercedes, it's quite disappointing, you know. Hmm. <laughs> but that's because it's an electric car and electric cars are very, very fast because there's instant torque, there's instant mm. power delivery. Mm-hmm. So Mercedes has done a good job. They've done local assembly now, you know, by doing this, they've proven and they've committed to our local government that they're going to do more local assembly like they did before with their petrol driven cars and diesel cars for many years. So the Pekan plant is already ramping up to get ready for other electric models that will soon be local assembled. You heard it here first. The EQE will also be local assembled in Malaysia, which is a smaller Mercedes-Benz sedan. What's the range for the EQS? The range for the EQS is estimated at about almost 600 kilometers, you know, give and take, depending on how you drive it. I think 600 kilometers is easily achievable, which means you can go to Pekan and back easily. Wow. 
I felt like a marathon of launches. <laughs> uh, ladies and gents, we've come to the end of this uh, first part of our show. If you did miss any of those launches, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. We recommend the BFM app. That's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. But we do have more lined up for you this evening. We'll be coming back after these messages and we will be talking to you about EV manufacturers and battery costs. Why aren't those costs being shared with us? We'll find out more after the break here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Cruise Control is brought to you by Shell Fuel Save 95. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Cruise Control. I'm Rich Bradbury, joined by uh, Ali Johan and, of course, Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. So we had a whole bunch of launches uh, just before the break. Now, a bit of a discussion, um, and it's it's topical. It's also potentially controversial. It's about battery costs and why EV manufacturers won't share battery costs with their customers. Why is that? I'm sure Daniel has an opinion. Daniel, come on, talk to us about this. Okay, um, over the years, um, it, it all started back in 2015. Now, why I'm going back so far back is 2015 is when uh, our market uh, first had a taste of hybrid vehicles. It started with the Audi A6 hybrid, which was runaway success in Malaysia. Starting price was 288000 It went up to three hundred and eight. It was uh, after a very, very long time. Malaysians, well-to-do Malaysians were willing to pay five, six, seven, even up to 10,000 ringgit premium to get their hands on a unit simply because it was short in supply as, as the months progressed. Mm. I even remember, you know, helping out three friends to cut the queue, sorry to say, but cut the queue at uh, Euromobile who were selling these cars and um, get their allocation. And they were very happy, super happy. Fully imported car, high quality, you know, loaded to the to the max in terms of accessories and specification, hybrid so that you save a bit of fuel. It was a mild hybrid, uh, not a plug-in hybrid, and you got it at a fantastic price. Now, mm. as the years progress, they love their cars. Now, some of them love their cars so much, they didn't want to sell it even after the warranty. Why was that a problem? Because the moment the warranty ended, little, little things started cropping up. Now, the little things that cropped up, okay, you know, wear and tear is fine and all that. But when it was associated with components that work around the battery system, not the battery itself, prices were very high. I'm talking about five figures and more. And yeah. this started scaring them. But because okay. the car was such a very good car and a very, very uh, high quality vehicle, they said, never mind, we'll pay the price. You know, you see, first time owners who can afford a vehicle for 300,000 can also afford the maintenance after five years, right? Mm, mm. And as new models of Audi started coming out, they realized that their 2015 car was still almost as good as a brand new car, you know, because it didn't wear as what they thought, you know. Now, after a while of paying this money, you, you will say, hey, you know, I think it's, it's, it's going to get scary when the battery goes. So, unfortunately, one of them had a battery problem. Now, at that time, the mild hybrid battery, which is not a very big battery, the cost to replace it was 48 thousand ringgit oh my word it didn't happen to a lot of units there are still some units running around with the original battery but it all depends on how you drive the car how you use the car you know it's like your handphone battery your laptop battery the more mm. you use the more you wear it out you know 
So this person had to pay forty-eight thousand. Now he paid it because why? Without it, the car will not move. It's not like mm. you can oh let the battery die. I'll still manage to start the car and run it. No, mm. everything must be running. The battery must be running, even if it's working at ten percent. Your car will still work, but if when it goes zero flat, you have to change it. You know the car will not work. Yeah. Now that's the first time I found out the battery cost, and I was blown away because I didn't think it'll be that expensive. I thought maybe fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand ringgit. So what I did was I started asking around with the other manufacturers who had mild hybrid cars in the market. At that time, it was Toyota, Lexus, and Honda officially, mm. right? Mm. Now, when I checked with them, they were a bit reluctant to share the prices. You know, they were holding back and all that. So I did an article on this A6 hybrid and asked the question, why aren't the rest sharing the prices? The first to come back to me was Honda Malaysia. Now, Honda Malaysia mm-hmm. immediately came back to me and said, okay, here are the prices and we're going to issue a press statement and we're going to give everyone a peace of mind. Now, what they did was they issued a price list for all their hybrid battery replacements, which means the Honda Insight, the Honda Jazz, the Honda CRZ. And also the Honda Civic Hybrid. Can I just interrupt there for one sec? Yes, sir. Are those prices fixed for a period of time? Okay, these were the prices at that time. Okay, and what year was okay. that? That was about 2018, 2019. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, so these are the prices yeah. from then. From what I understand, the prices have not moved much since. Mm-hmm. Because these mild hybrid batteries are not that expensive to produce, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, right after that, Toyota and Lexus came back to me and they also shared their prices for, for their batteries like the Toyota Prius, the Lexus CT200, the Toyota Prius C, the small one, and also the Toyota Camry Hybrid. Now, let me just share some of the prices with you. Like like with the Honda Inside battery, it's 3,980 ringgit, you know? Okay, yeah. yeah. It's not that bad. The Toyota mm. Prius, it's about 6,600. Now, the prices vary because the batteries come from different manufacturers. Toyota has their own uh, Honda has their own. Then like this Lexus CT200 battery is six, also 6,680. Because the Lexus CT200, the platform is actually shared with the Toyota Prius. It's just a different body and a higher quality interior to showcase the Lexus uh, premiumness, you know? Mm. Now, with the with the Honda CRZ, for example, it's uh, 5,480. And then with the Honda Civic, it's five also 5,480 because the powertrain is exactly the same in the CRZ and the Civic Hybrid. And I'm talking about the Civic Hybrid that has been around now for seven, eight years. So these vehicles now, if you happen to own one and you're having problems with the battery, it's not that expensive. Yes, it's cash out. If you are the first owner, you'll probably be able to afford it. The problem now is when, when the car goes to the second or third owner, you know, mm. because these cars in the used car market, for example, a Honda inside in the used car market is 21,000 ringgit. Now, someone who buys it for 21,000 ringgit might not have cash to pay for almost 4,000 ringgit, right? And if you think about the Toyota Prius, today's market value is about 20,000 also. Now, at 6,680 for the battery, the person who bought it second or third hand will say, whoa, that's almost one-third the price of my car, you know? Mm-hmm. So these are little problems we are talking about. Now, let's go up the food chain and talk about plug-in hybrids, okay? Now, when you talk about plug-in hybrids, initially when I was asking the, the companies about their, their plug-in hybrid battery prices, they were all a little bit reluctant. Now, the the they're all they're all European brands and they're all big brands and I didn't want to upset anyone. But you know, I kept asking and asking and they were they were stalling me and saying, Oh, we'll come back to you and everything else. So finally I managed to get a price. And the reason why I got a price was very simple. Again, I had to go to someone who had a plug-in hybrid problem and they had to change the battery. And then when they shared with me the battery price, 
I said, whoa, this is really, really expensive. Then the companies came forward and said, okay, okay, let us share with you the price. Now, after they shared all the prices and I understood everything, then I realized why they were hesitant. They were not hesitant because they wanted to hide the price. They were hesitant because the prices kept fluctuating. Mm-hmm. Because of raw materials and also the, the cost of storage. Now, these batteries, you can't bring these batteries in and store them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't have like, oh, like say, if tomorrow you have a battery problem, if you went to any of these premium companies and said, oh, I need a new battery, they said, listen, we understand, hold on, we'll import the battery in. Yeah. Now, this angers a lot of owners. Mm-hmm. They say, why do I need to wait? Now, you need to wait because why? If they store these batteries, just like with handphones and laptops and everything else, if they store it, the batteries will degrade. That's right. And when it degrades, they can't use it on, on, on you because they have to give you a battery that's 100% perfect. So when you have a problem, when you order a battery, they order it from the factory. The factory sends it. There's a time span that the, 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 the battery must arrive. And then they immediately install for you and you're ready to go, right? Mm, mm. With laptops and handphones, it's slightly different because these are consumable products. There are so many in the market. So the companies can afford to keep a small stock. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. And also the batteries are like... 800 ringgit, 900 ringgit, 1,000 ringgit, you know? Yeah. So I can afford to have like maybe 10 in stock. If five are sold, I'll order another five, you know, you know, something like that line, you know? Depending on how many, how many you sell in a year. But with cars, you're not selling so many. You're selling a few thousand, but not, you know, tens of thousands. So they have to be very careful of the batteries. So let mm. me share with you, this is a price four years ago for a plug-in hybrid, eh? battery system which is modular. Modular means you have modules inside which you can replace. You don't have to replace the whole battery pack. Now, a modular battery system in, say, a BMW or a Mercedes or a Volvo plug-in hybrid is about 7,300 ringgit a module. And you have five to six modules in these vehicles, these big vehicles. So that's about 36 to 43,000 ringgit for a complete battery change. Now, you can change module by module, but over the years, they've realized if you change module by module, you'll keep coming back. You get what I mean? Yeah. And when you keep coming back, every time you come back, you have to pay for the very expensive labor costs. Mm, mm. Because you can't go to your backyard mechanic or your regular mechanic to do this. You have to go to the specialist. Now, think about it. You buy a luxury vehicle for $300,000, $400,000. Battery pack for thirty-six to 43000 ringgit is about 10%, right? Yeah. Now, 10%, you say you're saving fuel. How much fuel did you save? Did you actually save 40000 ringgit worth of fuel? Now, that's a question for the long-term ownership. On top of that, when it's time to sell these vehicles after the five-year warranty or after the eight-year battery warranty, you see, now you're already, for some of these vehicles, you're hitting the eight-year battery warranty, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be good in the used car market. Now, we've talked about all this coming from plug-in hybrids, which again, is not big battery packs, right? Yeah. So remember, 43000 is the price of a plug-in hybrid battery pack. What about an electric vehicle where the battery pack is almost three times? I know where we're going here. <laughs> now, I know why who we're going with. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm saying three times. Now, why I'm saying three times? Because that's the size of the batteries. The modules mm. are also three times more. Mm. Mm. And I've been speaking to a lot of car companies, even the, 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 the companies from China, and I've been asking them, and even some of the grey importers who bring in vehicles from America, uh, American-made <laughs> electric vehicles. I won't mention the brand, but there's only one. And I say, listen, how much is the battery pack? Oh, don't worry, don't worry. Everything is don't worry. Why don't worry? Because why? 
even they don't have a fixed price mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the prices are fluctuating. And my recent check online, and you can do this yourself. You don't have to listen to me. You don't have to say DSF and, and BFM uh, said this. No, you can go and check on yourself. Places like Verify This, it's a, a website that does regular checks on battery prices in the US and also in Europe. For a Tesla Model 3 or Model S, the price is between 53000 to 66000 before installation costs. And this is the old technology battery pack. They are not talking about the new technology battery pack, which is more, um, more complicated, I would say. This is mm. a really older one because by now, these cars have already worn out their battery packs in, in the US, right? Mm. Meanwhile, for the latest Ford Mustang Mark E, which some units have already started coming to Malaysia, the battery pack, which is a very unusual battery pack, is 23,000 US, which is about 101,000 ringgit before installation. That's crazy. Now, you say that's crazy. I've been told that some of the Chinese high-end vehicles, the battery packs, are close to 150,000 ringgit. My God. That's insane. That's insane. That's really insane. We don't know yet about the Korean electric cars. Mm, mm. I'm going to wrap up by saying this. I'm not saying don't buy an electric car. I'm saying think about it. If you're buying an electric car and you're thinking of keeping it for like three, four years, great, you know? Mm, mm. And then you want to change it. If you're thinking about leasing an electric car, I was just speaking to some people over the weekend and I told them, if you really want to go electric, lease. Because why? No worry. You pay. It's like renting a car. You pay and then when when time's up, you just give back the vehicle, right? You don't have to worry about battery, software, uh, AC-DC converter, whatever, you know, I mean, whatever, even in plug-in hybrids. These cars are so high-tech, it's better to just lease them. A lot of brands are now doing that to give you that peace of mind, you know? Mm, and mm. I think that's the way to go. If you're going to buy these cars and you're one of these people like me who buys a car and keeps it like, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years, I'm sorry, my friend, electric cars is not for you to keep long term unless mm. you're going to think about that battery pack in 10 years' time. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't know how to unpack this. So I've got a, a, a bunch of comments about this. So for, okay. let, let's, let's take a look at... You know, the costs of, of batteries over the years, you know, the raw materials, for example. If we look back, the cost of raw materials back in 2008 was ridiculously expensive, right? Yes. And they're now at the lowest price they've ever been, uh, or, or rather they're 90% lower than they were in, in 2008, right? right? And, and this declining cost is, is due to improvements in things like battery technology and chemistry and an increase in, in manufacturing volume. So then you look at people like our friend, whose name shall not be mentioned, but has a car company named after a famous scientist. Yes. And, you know, what he said when he first launched his vehicles was that they were a battery company first and a car maker second. Correct. He essentially said that they were selling fairly expensive batteries that don't have an expensive car attached. That was his kind of mission. When you come to breaking down the the cost of the material of the battery, they're mainly composed of four components, right? Lithium, nickel, cobalt, and uh, manganese. The problem is the reason that they can't pin down and they move around so much is the cost of cobalt. That's the main thing. And right now, it used to be in the summer of 2021, the cost of cobalt was $82,000 a ton, right? Now... It's 35,000. It's collapsed. It's at historic lows right now. 
So the reason they can't sit down and say, oh, you know, and, and this is a fixed price and it's going to be with us for the next five or 10 years is because the prices are just fluctuating so much all over the place that I think what they're doing is they're, they're picking a figure that they know is going to give them a profit and sticking with that figure despite how expensive it's going to be. Does that make sense? Okay, it makes sense. But you see, the reason why I also came up with this article, which a lot of people were not happy with me about, especially the people selling electric cars. I'm just trying to give a clearer picture to the consumer, to the buyers, okay? Recently, uh, Brazil, which is one of the biggest producers of cobalt, right? Yeah. The president said, I'm going to control the export of cobalt to certain countries and I'm going to fix the price so that my country makes money and not the producers of car batteries, right? Right. Now, by doing right. that, he has pushed the price up slowly. But then the, the, the issue with that is they're going to go to places like the Congo where exactly. we know it's unstable, it's corrupt, and it's child labor. You know, we oh, know correct. that. Correct. But then again, getting the, the, the material out also has a lot of speed bumps because you got to pay people along the way. Right. you got to grease that, those wheels. Ah, so then the price also moves up. That's one issue. The next issue is now as... Different, different companies are coming up with new battery technology and new ways of getting the batteries denser and smaller and lighter and everything else. At the same time, the development of the new car brands coming up with electric cars is just growing and growing and growing. Where's the sweet spot? You know, that's what I'm trying mm. to say. Mm. Will there be a sweet spot in, say, three years' time or four years' time or five years' time? And I don't think it will, it will until we see mass adoption. I mean, yes. we're starting to see it, but yes. it's not going to happen anytime soon, I don't see Exactly. Even in Malaysia now, the, no, even though there's a lot of electric cars being sold, it's still a very, very small proportion. Mm, mm. It's not even it's not even two or three percent of our total total vehicle sales. I mean, that's the thing. People don't buy second-hand mobile phones knowing that you know there's only eighty-five percent capacity left on it. Okay, I'm I'm going to give you a different way of thinking. If I told you today, I've got a very nice, very nice Bentley in my house right now, but the engine is kaput. Yeah. Would you buy it? No, of course not. You say, hey, how much is the engine? So for every electric car, the engine is the battery pack. Yeah. I yeah. can have the nicest car, but if the battery pack is kaput, just like my beautiful Bentley parked outside my house, the engine is kaput. I don't really have one, but I'm just saying, you know. Hmm. You just have a very expensive paperweight. Exactly. That's my <laughs> point. All right. Well, thanks for that. It was a really interesting discussion, Daniel. Mm. Thank you. Welcome. All right, uh, time for us to wrap up for this evening then. Folks, you have been tuned in to Cruise Control, a show in two parts today. Of course, I've been joined as usual by Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. We've been speaking about everything Toyota, announcing the uh, GR fleet, the Maserati Levante hybrid. I have no idea why I did that. That's Daniel's fault. And uh, locally assembled Mercedes EV, some Isuzus. And of course, that discussion you just heard why EV manufacturers won't share the battery costs. If you miss any part of the show, download the podcast. Get it from the BFM app, which is in the Apple App Store or Google Play. We'll be back same time, same place next week here on Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. Cruise Control was brought to you by the new and improved Shell Fuel Save 95. Now lasts up to 15 kilometers longer per tank. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.